Hello, everybody. Welcome to our next episode of City Speak. I'm Clarence Anthony, your host and CEO and executive director of the National League of Cities. Now, you all know that City Speak is all about getting leaders throughout America to talk about the issues that they're facing, tell how they're dealing with those issues, and really to inform you about how you can play a role in helping us to deal with those issues as municipal leaders. Today, I am so honored to have a special guest that's going to talk about some of the big issues that her city is facing and also perhaps even challenge America cities, towns, and village leaders about around these issues. Our guest today is Mayor Emily Larson of Duluth, Minnesota. And this is our episode of City Speak that is really going to dig in and talk about one of those courageous issues uh, around uh, downtown revitalization, climate, sustainability. And by the way, anything else that we want to talk about as uh, we spend this (laughs) time together. Hello, Mayor. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Clarence. I'm so happy to talk with you. I'm doing great today. It's a beautiful day in Duluth, Minnesota. How are you? I am wonderful. It's a beautiful day in Washington, D.C. And y'all, if you've never been to Duluth. Say it. I was there last year uh, (laughs) for a Minnesota League of Minnesota Cities conference. And I was driving and I was like, oh, man, I'm excited to arrive. I get to this bridge. I know. And I cross this beautiful bridge. I know. And I see this wonderful city. I was so pumped up about what I saw, what I experienced. So thank you for the hospitality. Oh, it was great to have you. And Duluth is beautiful. We are this city that a lot of people have heard of or have some connection to. And to see people experience this community for the first time is so beautiful. You know, we're on the lake. We have 42 creeks. We are, I think, 35% parkland and green space. Uh, we're hilly. It's, it's gorgeous, and it was so fun to have you here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you've told everybody about the city of Duluth. Yep. And I want to tell y'all about this amazing mayor in Duluth, <laughs> Minnesota, 39th mayor of the city, the first female mayor of the city in the history uh, you were on the city council as an at-large member for about, what, four years? Four years, yep. Which really set you up to become mayor. Wink, wink. I'm sure that people <laughs> recognize that. But you know what was interesting to me as I've gotten to know you, your background in social work. You work with local organization uh, with around the issue of homelessness. And the more and more I I learned about you and connect with you, the more and more I appreciate your journey, how you got here, but also how you've used that journey to lead your community. So, Mayor, thank you so much for being here again. And and uh, thank you, Clarence. Let's do it. Let's do it. I've talked a little bit about you. I think people are always interested about the story about what inspired you to run for office? Yeah. What did inspire you to run for office? Well, you know, I love this question because it's always a story. And for me, I, like many people, and I know like many women, I had kind of a sideways progression into elected politics. And I grew up in a community and in a family 
that was very politically active. I'm actually originally from St. Paul, Minnesota, and Duluth is two hours north of St. Paul, Minneapolis. My family was very active in, you know, the urban renewal movement and in politics and in organizing. And we did product boycotts. One of my first memories is of the Nestle boycott. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up at all, uh, but we had a lot of people and we had a lot of love and we had a lot of cousins <laughs> and we had a busy neighborhood. And so the idea that you participate, you know, as I look back, all, all of what my family was, and then my, my parents divorced and we became two households without a lot of resources, but again, a lot of love and a lot of power and a lot of people, um, but when I look back, I really realized that part of the lessons of that, of my childhood was that you are here to participate in this life and in this world and in this democracy. And so I realized how much that was instilled in me. So when I went to college, it was on a college scholarship. I chose social work, like you said, or mentioned and spent, you know, probably 12 years doing very direct work with people and working primarily with people with low and no income uh, families, a lot of histories of chemical use and, um, you know, criminal justice, mental health, but incredible, like incredible, Clarence, these stories of survival and resilience and courage and determination and so it was really those stories that people were willing to share with me about their life. Um, and the more you listen to people, the more that we literally stop and just listen to the people around us, um, you really tune into what people hope and what they dream and what they love. And it is the same. It is the same. Um, and so this idea that you know, we have some shared humanity and some interconnection. I did a lot of direct service work, then went back to school to get my master's degree to do more policy and bigger picture work and to get more to the root cause of why were people coming into this service, this shelter, um, the foster care system, less about how do I help you today with those needs, more about how do we take a step back and try to prevent those needs from happening. So when I look back, a lot of it was a normal progression. I was working on campaigns. I was spending time, um, you know, supporting campaigns around marriage equality, around other things here, supporting candidates. And so again, that natural progression I became a campaign volunteer. I became a campaign manager. When I saw a seat on city council open up in my community, I was actually recruiting other candidates to run. And I was offering to be their campaign manager because I love managing. And, you know, it's, it's not as risky, right, as being the candidate. And so I was, I was seeking other people to run and was talking with my husband at home about it. And I was saying, I've had all these conversations and I can't get anyone to run. And I remember so clearly he was uh, cooking something probably wonderful at the stove and he's stirring it. He's like, okay, tell me again, Emily, tell me again, what are you looking for? And I, I'm, I'm like, okay, a woman. And cause I started listening, here's what we don't have, right? Here's, here's what I'm not seeing in our city council. You know, a woman with, with young children who is progressive, owns a business, understands, you know, has school, has kids in the public school system. You know, I'm kind of listing all these things. And he's, you know, he kind of 
turns the burner off and he sets the spoon down and he turns around and he says, you're kidding. Like, Emily, this is what we talk about all the time. You know, we had, we had two kids, like we actively tell them, you don't wait around for people to do the right thing. You got to step in and do the right thing. So it was a, it was a really fun story because it was really that origin story is about my family. It's about being a parent. It's about my marriage. It's about my community. And from that moment on, uh, you know, we have just been into the policymaking realm. And so, right, four years as a counselor. And then when I saw and knew that there would be a seat for mayor, I really thought about it. and decided that I would run and I would run and I would talk about people's stories and I would talk about the issues and I would talk about what's hard. And I was coached repeatedly. No one wants to hear about that. Nobody wants to talk about race inequality. Nobody wants to talk about achievement gaps. Nobody wants to talk about neighborhoods that are hurting. Stay focused on, you know, these very linear. And I thought, I don't, I don't think that's right. And if I lose by talking about what matters, I'm cool with that. And you know what? I, I, I won with 72% of the vote. So I think what that tells me is not is that when we talk about what matters, when we mirror the truth of what's happening in our communities, residents see that, they feel that, they know that, they go there with you. First of all, thank you for sharing that story. And I always appreciate and value uh, listening to the journey of public officials of why, what is that why, what keeps them inspired every day to do the work that they do, especially during this time where there's so much divide uh, and incivility. Uh, you got to have a why that keeps you really uh, committed and focused. You know, the way way you talk during pandemic, those skills mm. uh, and that why probably was key to your success because you seem like you are truly a partnership type person. And mm -hmm. at, at City Summit on the panel, I was listening to you talking about the partnership that you created in order to keep your downtown and the revitalization efforts in the community going. Talk a little bit about why it was so important um, as so many businesses close. What process did you use to create? And you've been quoted as saying a more active downtown is a safer downtown. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that process. And, and even if you want to talk about as a leader, what the pandemic meant to your community as. as, as oh, man. I know that. <laughs> Oh, we I know don't have a lot. time for that. No, it's a um, lot. No, you know what? Also, great, great. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about downtown first because I do think this is a really salient experience that everyone's having. So for people who are new to hearing about Duluth, we, we are a community of 86,000 residents. We have about 35,000 daily commuters, and we have about 6 million tourists. We're a really popular place for people to spend their time and invest we have an international airport. We are an international shipping port. Uh, and we're the regional center for healthcare and education. So there's a lot. And I say all of that because 
the size of our city, the residential size of our city doesn't really speak to the impact and some of the challenges that we have. So we're really a, a mid-sized cities with, with many of the bigger city elements and challenges. Our downtown is about a mile long. Uh, it's a beautiful built environment, architecturally significant, and we experience what everyone was, right? So change in work habits. We used to have 18 to 20,000 people every single day walking around downtown and that dropped dramatically to two to 5,000. We have actually an indoor skywalk system. Uh, so we have a two, sti- two sidewalk systems and not enough people to even fill one. Uh, you know, a lot of challenges around retail and, oh, wow, was I hearing it. Man, was I hearing it. And, and that's so great. It's so awesome when people are willing to say to their mayor or their council person, I am hurting. And sometimes I wish people would say it quieter (laughs) or (laughs) with less edge. But the, but the point of it is when people reach out and they're like, I'm scared to walk downtown. I'm worried about people who are unsheltered and hiding out in corners. I'm I've invested everything I am and everything that I have into this business and nobody's coming in. You know, like we're really struggling here. And so what we chose to do, um, you know, activated a downtown task force. I've only, I've been mayor for seven years. I'm very judicious about task forces because I need them to be tangible and specific. And I need people to trust that when we pick this issue, it has impact. And so I've only done three task forces. This is my third. Uh, we pulled together the, you know, the community and it included, it was co-chaired by a downtown coalition and, and, a community foundation. Uh, we had the chamber there. We had building management operator there. We had the YMCA, we had homeless operators, you know, it was really a collective of, and healthcare institutions, 13 different people, St. Louis County, lots of different partners. And we just struggled. We sat and we struggled for, I think four or five months around four different priority priorities. It was public safety, activation, vision, and investment. Our downtown needs all of these things, and they're all intertwined. So an active downtown is a safe downtown, right? You know, we are drawn to places that feel safe and are well-lit, and there are people moving around in them. Uh, We are drawn to invest in places where we know that there's a vision and there's a direction happening. We feel safer when people are investing in properties and it's not blighted. So we convened, and it was hard work, and we got stuck several times, actually, not in an argument of any kind, but just like, so what do we do? What do we do with this? What we ended up coming up with was 27 recommendations, very specific. Some of them include a storefront lighting program that we're investing in and bringing in national expertise around merchandising and how to present a window, whether you are a dental clinic downtown or a really vibrant retail place. Some of it is around increasing public safety elements that are are visible and meaningful for people. Some of it is around a new housing study so that we can look at some of this class C office space and start flipping it into housing. So very specific. And we're going to report out quarterly next year. We already have about six or seven of these recommendations underway. So the whole time of the task force, we're getting a lot of feedback, right? And people are anxious and urgent. And as soon as we recommended them, as soon as we were public about it, the noise went down to almost nothing because I think people were like, okay, we got a plan. 
What's hard for people in your neighborhood, in your household, in your community, in your downtown is when you don't know there's a plan, <laughs> you're just, oh, it, it hurts. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. And that's what I got to talk about at the city summit, um, which was a lot of fun because I think I know mayors all over are, are worried about what to do and we can't, not, we can't do nothing because we're too worried to do something. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's very key. And that, part about partnerships and connectivity to community groups, getting everybody around the table to really be specific about the efforts and 27 recommendations is amazing. Tackling the problem and the issue specifically and not just saying, ah, everything is closed. Everything is bad, but you guys dug in. And I think that that is the key to a successful plan that can be implemented. So I, I think that's a, a model that others can can look at. I hope so because you know the the problem can feel so big and so hard. And the one question I found to be really useful for me, and I I do feel like this is what the National League does really really well, um, is that when people say things like you know downtown isn't safe or there isn't enough housing or you know you can kind of fill in the blank whatever the concern is, to really. I, I don't want to argue with someone. I'm not going to argue with them about the crime stats. And actually what you're talking about is perception that's different than actually. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So then the question that we get to ask, right, as NLC and as mayors is, what would it look like if? So tell me, tell me, what would it look like for you to feel safe downtown? What does that look like? What do you mean? How, how? How does this city show up for you to let you know that there's enough housing, right? Like when we engage the person who's frustrated to be a part of a potential solution, the dynamic changes because they feel like, oh, you're starting to hear me. Maybe they don't totally trust yet that you got it. Um, and sometimes we don't got it. We're just, we're making it up or we're trying, but when you show them, I'm trying to hear you, I'm trying to listen, tell me more, say more about that. And that's where, if I go back to my social work roots, that, that kind of training ground is perfect to be a mayor, right? Cause my client is not the person who's struggling to find housing. My client is this community and they are hurting and they need a holistic response to this specific issue, whatever that issue is. And it doesn't start with me telling them what the answer is. It starts with me asking them, what do they think their answer is? So there's another topic that I know you're passionate about, and so so are other municipal leaders, and that's the issue of tackling climate change or sustainability. And you, Duluth is known as quote unquote, the climate haven. I know. You know, isn't that just like, it's a a great, that's a great thing to be known uh, for. And so it's also where people want to come and live because of that. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about um, how you started to embrace this Theme and how is Duluth actually preparing to receive this influx of residents because you all are tackling this issue? Yeah. You know what? I, well, I reluctantly embraced it, first of all. I should say that. It's, <laughs> um, and in part because 
you know, <laughs> I mean, the work of mayoring, as you know, Clarence, is already so hard that you add in the global climate crisis and people moving here and you're like, I am, I'm at capacity. But I also was resistant in embracing it because um, it's really sad. It's actually really sad that we have people who are moving here from across the country whose families and generations have built roots, primarily for us. Right now we're seeing people from coastal areas in, in Colorado very specifically, but that's not coastal. I know that. But um, California and Colorado are the two big places right now. Um, that people who have you know, the history of their families built into these communities and they're leaving them because they don't feel safe. They don't know that they can continue to build a life there. That's, that is so fundamentally sad to me that it really took me having to work through some of that and having to do that at the same time while we're preparing a community that we are challenged already with climate and facing the dynamics of an influx of people uh, that drives up housing um, prices and, and, you know, a fear of gentrification and what does that look like? Also people, however, who, when they choose your community, they are in, they did research, <laughs> you know, they're volunteering, they're voting, they're giving money to organizations. They are showing up to public meetings on public works projects. I mean, like they're in. So it's been a really fascinating balance. The city of Duluth was uh, built, the, the, we have tremendous infrastructure. We have 86,000 residents, of, as I said, but we do have a built environment that can accommodate 125 to 130,000 people just for the way that we were incorporated and the way the streets are platted and the way the infrastructure has been installed. So, you know, we are a community that has capacity. So that's one of the reasons why this can work for us. The other thing, you know, we're built on a hill with, a, we're right on the corner of Lake Superior. So we have this abundance of water and it's beautiful. Uh, and as I said, 42 creeks, we have a great quality of life. We have hundreds of miles of trails. We have a really, because we live in this beautiful place, a very creative economy as well. People who choose to live here and are inspired and are, you know, truly world-class visual, musical, dance um, artists. And so it's, it's a beautiful place to be. And the intersection of how we respond immediately to climate, how we prepare anticipatorily for planning and uh, infrastructure, it's, it's a complicated intersection, to be honest. You know, it's, it's, a, it's really a lot to work through. I got to tell you, um, you are doing the advertisement for coming to Duluth, and I will. <laughs> well, good, that's my job. I let me tell you, I would encourage anyone uh, to go and visit and explore. And uh, there is capacity in space. Uh, the mayor they only have eighty six thousand, so we're going to work to one hundred thirty. So I want to I want to leave uh, just uh, sort of end on a high note. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So. I want you to tell me in this season of celebration, holiday time, what's inspiring you right now? What would you say to our listeners to keep them committed to public service, civic engagement, tackling the tough issues of sustainability? What's your message during this month of December? You know, I am so inspired by how enduring and durable we are. As people, you know, if we think about what we've actually lived through the last few years, and not just as a mayor, uh, as a human, 
you know, the pandemic. And, you know, I'm in Minnesota, so two hours away from the murder of George Floyd. The important realization of the world we need to be and the world we're becoming and the pain of that. But we're still here. (laughs) You know, our democracy is still here. People still care. They're showing up. They're voting. They're, They're bringing... You know, in Minnesota, we do hot dishes. They're bringing hot dishes to each other's front porches. They're watching out for each other's kids. Like the core of our humanity, what actually matters is so alive. And it feels like I I have children who are 19. My sons are 19 and 22. And when I talk with them and listen to them about what matters to them, they're so, this generation is so clear that it is about enduring people and investing in our future and calling the question about what have we been doing if we haven't been paying attention. And so for me, there is, you know, there's so much to pay attention to that's important. And some of it's deeply painful and traumatic with people, but there is this abundance of love and hope and resilience and joy And I think we need to, for me, I have to slow down enough to see it and feel it and let it wash over me every once in a while, because, you know, that's the, that's, that's the good stuff. That's, that's the light that's coming in from the cracks we've created, right? Like there's that crack in everything, as Leonard Cohen says, and that's how the light gets in. And to me, the light is just pouring in right now. It's just pouring in. Well, I want to say thank you for inspiring me, uh, and I hope inspiring all of our listeners and subscribers. This is what uh, local leadership looks like, and we value uh, that leadership. And so I want to thank uh, Mayor Larson for being here today, sharing her knowledge, ideas, solution for local leaders all over America. But most of all, also to those listeners that are living Mm -hmm. in cities, towns, and villages all over America. So, Mayor, happy holidays, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You are wonderful, Clarence. Keep doing the important work. It's terrific to talk this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to City Speak with Clarence Anthony. If you like the show, let us know. Share this episode with your friends and make sure to subscribe. We're curious to hear what you think, what you want more of, and how we can improve. If you have feedback or an idea for a guest you'd like Clarence to sit down with, send us your thoughts at citiespeakpodcast at nlc.org. Join us next month for a new episode. Like and subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.